1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
1: I'm Mats
2: Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Winka I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast.
3: Well, it's five to midnight here in the UK, which means it's five to one in the morning as we record in Paris, where Roger Federer has just managed to beat Dominic Kupfer from one set all, a position of one set all. He He's won through in front of nobody. He's 39 years of age. And I can't quite believe that sentence because I've come clean with your listeners. We recorded this intro several hours ago uh, when we thought that Roger Federer was going out of this tournament and we are re-recording it because he has proved me wrong spectacularly by his tenacity, his drive, his just determination, Catherine, to, to show what he's all about. I mean, I I think there's, there's so much to unpack. There's so much that went on tonight, but what I can't get away from is the fact that when he lost the second set, he didn't just chuck it in and go off and prepare for the grass. Mm, it's
4: very, very important that the original cut never sees the <laughs> light of day. <laughs> uh, we must always, always keep in the good books of editor Patrick, who has a who has a copy of <laughs> the original of this, uh, which it's fair to say has not aged well. I no. was talking all about. The hunger of Dominic Kupfer relative to the lack of hunger would be too strong, but I I felt like Federer really wanted to win, but I questioned how deep he was willing willing to dig, and I was wrong to do that. He re- <laughs> he really showed something tonight. How can he still be showing new things at thirty nine? But he he did he did. I I I spent about. Four and a half minutes talking about all the ways in which this match reminded me of John Millman US Open 2018, um, and it how hauntingly familiar it all felt. Um, and it did, it did, all that is still true. And I'm sure Federer had the odd flashback of John Millman US Open 2018. He changed his shirt four times tonight. Roger Federer might not have been as hot as it was in New York that day, but it was humid and sticky and damp and eerie in the same way. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it must have crossed his mind or at least been lurking in his subconscious somewhere, which makes it all the more impressive. I mean, impressive just isn't even enough of a word, is it? It was, well, Andy Murray called it inspirational um, what he did tonight and that was before he saw the result, before he knew the result. Um, and I think he he summed it all up for us.
3: Yeah, just 23 minutes ago, Andy Murray tweeted: "I'm not bothered by the outcome of this match at all. Just seeing Federer at 39, off the back of two knee surgeries, playing to an empty stadium at 12:30 a.m., getting fired up is inspirational to me. Do what you love. What a what a line." What a what a tweet, and and I think that that does Matt sum it up, doesn't it? And I don't know, I I feel like I feel, I do feel bad at un, underestimating what he what he ended up putting in over the next hour and a half. Um, I love the I love the grit, the quiet grit that he showed.
2: Yeah, what we've done is underestimated one of the greatest tennis players of all time, and we won't be doing that again. I think. Well, maybe we will. <laughs> we probably I think will. Yeah. Anyway, we shouldn't do that again. Remarkable what's just unfolded and yeah, I think you can speculate about where this comes from in Federer, this this grip this desire. I think he said it in his Uncle interview in French. J'adore le tennis. I love tennis. That is ultimately where it comes from. That is why he's still playing. That is why he's able to put in a performance like this in front of nobody. And let's be honest, he's not winning this tournament. You know, he might not win another match. And yet he pushed through this one like it mattered more to him than anything else. And that is inspiring, I think. And for it to inspire Andy Murray says an awful lot. Absolutely incredible. I think there's a misconception, isn't there? about Federer, that everything is effortless because he makes it look that way so often. He's so graceful with how he plays and it does seem to come naturally to him and all sort of flow. But every once in a while you do see what it takes for him to be Roger Federer and to be that successful and I think we saw that tonight. You saw the work he was putting in. You saw how difficult it was coming to him and yet He ploughed on and found a way to win the match. Just yeah, I'm kind of lost for words.
3: Because because the first set was over an hour long and he won it, but he looked grouchy. He was he was flicking balls away and disgusted himself, and because he wasn't unable to execute the way he wanted, and yet he'd won that set. Um and obviously the mood's not gonna improve when you go and lose the second on a tie break. So I mean that this is a long old tussle between these two. Um and um what really struck me, I think, Catherine, above all else, aside from the what we've seen in terms of his intent and his determination that, that he dug in and obviously the skill where well, there were some amazing shots today, some of the some of the little flicks and return winners and so forth. But his fitness was impressive. His movement was impressive. This is a guy, as Andy Murray said, has had a couple of knee operations. I had forgotten about those knee operations tonight. That did not feel like an issue. I don't want to tempt fate for the guy. I don't want, you know, because, you know, I know quite how you'll bounce back. But he did in that interview with Marion Bartoli at the, at the end, and he was smiling. He looked happy. And, and there was not a moment really where he looked as though he was struggling physically in a long four-set match.
4: Yeah, he didn't fade, did he? I mean, there was no. there was a point in, well, quite a long point in sets two and three where he was playing casino tennis. Mm. He, he wasn't bailing out on points, but he was definitely not wanting to get into rallies. And I thought that was the beginnings of a fade. I thought that was the early stages of, yeah, the the physical fade. And it wasn't. It was just <laughs> him him just not wanting to get into those rallies with Dominic Kupfer because he's so hard to hit through. He was just sort of everywhere smothering the court and dangerous off both wings and creating angles and making Federer uncomfortable. So he was trying to wrestle control of the points and make Kupfer uncomfortable and started hitting a, hitting a lot of drop shots, didn't he? And some of what he was trying worked, some of it didn't. But I definitely misinterpreted it as it was happening and got far too carried away with my John Milman comparisons. I really thought I'd nailed that. Um, and uh, yeah. It
2: all added up at the time. It really to be fair. did. 14 minutes worth of podcast added up. <laughs> I, but I think that's a very important point about fitness, isn't it? Because that's what he said was missing when he came back briefly in Doha a few months ago. He felt like his tennis was still there. Okay, it was rusty because he hadn't played for so long. But what was alarming was the fact that he had two matches in his legs and that was it. And he said, I need to go back and train. And clearly that training has paid off and he doesn't seem to have had any further setbacks because he's managed to play about a three and a half hour match in... Pretty much the worst conditions possible for his game, slow at night against a left hander who is can you know who can chase everything down and who can just make life really difficult for him and yet he's he's finished it strongly and you know if we're if we're trying to view this match in the context of federer's season which i think we have to because he's talked about that the french open being preparation for the grass i think there are so many positive signs with his tennis as well yes it's up and down it's not perfect by any means but he's doing a lot of good very good things on the court that i think sets him up very nicely for ray for wants to be in a few weeks mm. uh,
3: matteo berrettini for him next just um just quickly I think it's very easy to almost put this out of your mind because this was ended up being a really uplifting experience. And I don't mean to make that sound unobjective, but it, to see a 39-year-old who is one of the greatest of all time just giving you a little insight into an element of his greatness was, was, was inspiring tonight. Um, but I don't want to completely forget about the fact that this match was played... At an absurd time of the night, in front of nobody, and it really feels a strange decision to to be scheduling matches the way they are at not from from nine o'clock at night a best of five set match like that.
4: Mm, They've dodged a bullet with not having ended up with Roger Federer's very possibly last ever. Roland Garros match played in the middle of the night in front of absolutely nobody. Now I understand that um events events got away from them covid-wise and the the lack of crowds in the night sessions for the first 10 days was unavoidable and <clears throat> broadcast deals had already been signed at that point. So there was no there was no backing down on having the night sessions whilst this curfew was still in place. But the original decision entirely separate to any matters COVID to have a start time for those night sessions of 9pm has never been explained to me and I don't understand it. I, I can't see who's benefiting from it. Who is waving the flag and saying 9pm is a great start time for a night session. It's exactly what we want. I haven't heard that voice yet and nobody's communicating it.
2: And there's also the point that six of the first seven night sessions have been men's matches. They put Serena on first and every match since then has been a men's match. And I mean, it's a time slot which benefits nobody. There was a press release that the FFT put out in April, I think, saying that the night session would be, in their words, the match of the day. So... By picking those men's matches, based on their previous statement, they are saying that the men's matches, most of the time, are the match of the day. But also, the reality is that slot in front of nobody is a graveyard slot. Nobody wants that. It's it's terrible. So kind of nobody wins in this scenario.
4: It was it was a very patronising statement, that, mm. wasn't it, back in April, saying, we offer equal prize money, so you can't possibly accuse us of ever doing anything sexist mm. ever because we do, th- do, do were, equal prize money. Come they on. were hitting
3: out at the at a report that had said that they were only going to have men's matches mm. in the night session, weren't they? And mm, basically, apart from one match, that's exactly what they've mm. done.
4: Well, tomorrow it's Nishikori Zverev.
2: So I'll see you at 2 AM. And tomorrow
4: and 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 Monday, obviously, because that's not finishing before midnight, is it?
3: You wouldn't have thought so, <laughs> would you? Um j- just just one final note as well. It's not not such a nice one. Christopher Clary, who's there for the New York Times, he's actually he was one of the few people in the actual Inverted Commas crowd. Um he, he tweeted that there was a point penalty for Kupfer after he spat on a ball mark that the chair umpire had w- ruled wide upon inspection on breakpoint for Federa. I mean that is gross, isn't it? He, he, um, did, he
4: did a lot of spitting tonight, did Kupfer, and it was a real blotch yeah. on the on the experience. I think. I mean, obviously, in the best of times, spitting is pretty revolting. But I, yeah, some athletes do it. But in COVID times,
3: no, no. 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 and it's i mean and he played really well tonight and it's a shame that that um that that is one of the memories that that you go home with from from it but still Roger Federer is the one i think that should dominate the memory bank from tonight because that was pretty special
1: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. what we've had for throughout the rest of the day Um, because it has been generally I mean it's been absolutely cracking day hasn't it and and I mean it it started with matches that I kind of fleetingly followed because I was I was doing running errands around uh, the house and with the kids today but I was really taken by how enthusiastic everybody was early on about Sloane Stevens and the match she played against Karolina Mukova, which on paper looked like a good match. But from everything I'm hearing, Catherine, it sounds like it actually exceeded all of the all of the hype.
4: Yeah, I I, I watched every ball of that, and <laughs> I'm panicking a bit because I just can't. It feels so long ago uh, <laughs> that I'm not sure how detailed an answer. I remember after I watched it, thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna deep dive on this on the podcast later." And now it just all feels like an, Truly historic memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was. I mean, Stevens was by far the better player in the first set, as I remember. Just, just all, just silky. You know, just so in command. Just seemingly able to do whatever she wanted with the ball. And and again, it was one of those where Mukava Didn't seem to be playing badly. I mean, yes, there were errors, but they all felt pretty forced because of what Stevens was doing because there's just no way through her. How do you make her uncomfortable? She looks so balanced and like she has so much time on the ball. I don't know how you pull her out of position and make her uncomfortable when she's playing like this. And Mukova has a disruptive game. What she does is makes people uncomfortable, takes them out of their comfort zone. And it just just wasn't working for in in the first set. The second set, she did start to get some traction. Now, I personally think that's because Stephen's level dropped off a bit and la- allowed Mukova to, because as I said, I don't think Mukova did much wrong in that opening set. But what wasn't quite working in the first set started to work a bit in the second set and there were there were there was a period in that second set where it really caught fire and it had a big time feel of a very tense decider and I loved seeing how tense Sloane Stephen was I, I loved seeing how much she wanted it and didn't want to let go of that win and that place in the fourth round I really enjoyed that and oh it's she's she's a joy to watch and in this kind of form you know brackets, we'll talk about Shiontek in a bit. <laughs> um, but she could win the title in this form, I think. I really do think so.
2: She used the phrase that she had her business face on in the match, and I thought that was putting it very well. As Catherine said, there was this grittiness, this refusal to drop that second set when Mukova was coming at her. And that was that was really great to see. And I agree. Her blend of tennis when it's on is so difficult to beat that it feels like she's become a contender in this tournament based on her first few performances here. There's, I find it incredibly relaxing to watch her play. Mm. She, it's, it's just a very pleasant watch to watch her move around the tennis court and hit the ball the way she does, picking her moments to unleash that forehand, Anticipating the shots of her opponent, yeah I, I find it really absorbing, and yeah that that second set did get tense, it did get exciting, but she came through it, and a lovely moment of mutual respect afterwards where Stevens applauded Mukover off the court, kind of recognizing the effort mm. that had been put in in that second set and I also think everyone wishes Sloane Stevens well. I think people want to see her back. To her best and just get the feeling there's a bit of momentum around her at this tournament yeah
3: yeah she seems to be in a clear space now in her mind as to as to why she's there what she's trying to achieve and we know the skill set is such that it can take her um the the next player in her way is going to be Barbora kashikova uh, who beat Alina Svitalina today to get to the fourth round. And that, that really took me aback in itself that we it are did. only into the fourth <laughs> round. Not not the result. It's just that, you know, all of these matchups are so high level. The fact that you've got Stevens against Mukova, that you've got Krishikova against Svitalina, We've had Coco Goff against Jennifer Brady today. These are... These are matches that just sound like they should be farther along in the tournament.
2: It's also a tournament which has been going on for 100 years, which makes mm-hmm. it feel like it should be further along in the tournament. <laughs> yes,
3: that. <laughs> uh,
4: David, that was me setting you up to be smug. Well, I'm
3: going to that. You missed the boat
4: <laughs> and uh, the opportunity, the moment's passed.
3: Don't you worry. I'm... Uh, I... Obviously, this is the match that I managed to shoehorn into my errands of the morning when I was putting out the washing. I had the iPad out and I was watching every single one of the points in the 21-minute game that went to 13 juices. Thank you very much. When it was 4-3 to Barbora Krejčíková, <laughs> and she was, managed to f- he was
4: live live messaging us.
3: <laughs> yes. The, the iPad was
2: overheating. It's <laughs> Solihull. That's right.
3: I had to go back inside the house because the the, the, the iPad shut down in the heat um, and uh, and she managed to hold and save four break points against Vitalina, get the 5-3 lead, and frankly, it was just not close after that. I, I mean, we, we covered Kritschikova a little bit earlier in the, the year, didn't we, when we were talking about how this wonderful world number one doubles player had now transferred her skill set to singles and is making a real go of that and how she used to be coached by the late great Jana Novotna and who I just can't get Novotna out of my mind when I watch her play and it's not just the link between them having been coach and pupil it's this, this, there are similarities between the two of them. She really reminds me of her in, in her stroke production, her big wind-up on the forehand and the big high ball toss on the serve and, and and the intent and comfort that she has at the net. Svitolina just looked really one-dimensional in this match, and that happens sometimes with her, doesn't it? In, in this sort of occasion at a Grand Slam, she runs into somebody who's flying, and she can't go with them. And it was, I mean, this was one-sided. It was, I think, 6-3, 6-2. That's that's not good enough for Svitolina, but she really didn't have much chance.
2: And I think when there is a really long game like that, so often they turn out to be quite pivotal. And I think the fact that Krychikova won it... Made a massive dent in Svitolina, and from there on, as you said, it, it just wasn't close, was it? I think maybe Svitolina only won two more games in the match. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting watching Kricikova and her her partner Siniakova has been been doing, you know, having some real runs in the singles recently as well. Um, the word that comes to mind for me is is smart. When I watch her play, she's an intelligent tennis player, very very methodical and. Kind of manipulates players around the court. She's she's good fun to watch.
3: Yeah, she really is. And in the section below them, so it would be the quarterfinal opponent for either Stevens or Kritikova. Well, it'll be either Coco Goff, who beat uh, Jen Brady today. Brady injured, unfortunately, she had a foot problem, which uh, which sounds pretty nasty and actually very nearly prevented her from taking to the the, the court at all. She was saying Brady and. And she she retired in that match, uh, and uh, the, the the other player is um, is Ons Jabeur, who uh, Coco Goff will face now. Jabeur beating Magdalenette, who you may remember benefited from the the Ashbarty retirement in the previous round. I mean, first of all, that is a an intoxicating prospect, isn't it? Coco Goff against Ons Jabeur in the next round, and. I mean, I know Brady was injured, Catherine, but Goff is just looking such a mature player now, isn't she?
4: I didn't see much of the match, but um, I read a really interesting quote from her afterwards um, saying, this is my third, my third second week of Islam. My journey to it has probably been the most professional of all of them. Like no unnecessary three-set matches and stuff like that. I think you can tell that I'm improving and making smarter decisions on the court. And that I found that word "professional" really, really interesting. Like this isn't, this isn't entertainment. Or I mean, of course, it is entertainment whenever you watch her play. But this isn't event tennis. This is just a woman building a career. Um, and Coco Goff's previous runs at Slams have been sort of fairy dust and a bit magical. And this is, you know, it's it's great to see but there's something far more workmanlike and pedestrian about it almost in in the most brilliant possible way in a way that is more repeatable you know it's, the it's normal. The, yeah this run makes me far more able to picture her having an incredible career than any of her previous runs yeah. if that if that makes any
3: sense total sense yeah yeah it really does um, and, uh, yeah, against Anse Jaber, Matt, that will be an interesting one, won't it? Because Jaber, we interviewed her earlier this year, didn't we? And she was so determined to to push on again, um, had this good win today. I still find, I still kind of think Goff is probably the favorite for that match.
2: Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's quite interesting. They're actually building a little bit of a rivalry. This will be their fourth match. You know, it's, it's. Goff's 17. How can she have played the same opponent four <laughs> times already? But I guess that just shows that, you know, she has been going deep in some of these tournaments, and I probably would put Coco Goff just as the favourite. I think Jabur needs a really good day, probably, to win and to sort of just have everything coming off the racket exactly as she wants it, whereas Goff, to me, is someone who can win in some different ways. As she said, she's winning professionally and kind of routinely at the moment, but we've seen from her in the past, she can also really scrap and defend and make life uncomfortable for an opponent. And just those greater options, perhaps at her disposal in terms of how to play a match, I think, I think could could tip that one in her favor. Yeah.
3: Mm um Sophia Kennan is through she beat uh, Jessica Pagula 6-4 in the third really hard fought match, as the score would suggest as was the player Kennan will now face Maria Sakkari, beat Elise Mertens but that was another real humdinger of a match I mean eventually Zachary got herself ahead in the third set and, and raced away pretty handily but um yeah, Sophia Cannon against Zachary will be something in the next round. Um, Matt Roberts' Marta Kostyuk uh, defeated, uh, um, g- is it Gratcheva or mm. Gratcheva? I can't remember exactly how I'm pronouncing that. But yes, Marta Kostyuk, um of Matt Roberts fame will be facing Iga Sviantek, formerly of Matt Roberts fame as well. She
4: wasn't of Matt Roberts fame when she was letting me down at the Australian Open. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, a quarantine! Matt that Roberts was the problem.
4: Disrepute.
3: <laughs> he went very quiet, didn't he, around that point? Mm. Um, but anyway, she's she's having a moment, and uh, she is through to the fourth round. Faces Igor Schvientek, who played against Nick conservate today, and that was another match that Hannah on our Twitter was just loving, from what I was reading, and uh, it sounded like Schvientek was getting really pushed.
4: Yeah, I, I wonder, David, if uh, Annette Contevate's coach, who's who's not Nigel Sears anymore, they parted ways, uh, I, I believe amicably in April of this year, after three years working together, very successful partnership. She just said it had run its course. Um, her new coach is Ein Söthal, who I must admit is, is not somebody I've ever heard of. But anyway, I reckon he heard the podcast the other night and thought, I'm going to play her that clip from Rocky Three, <laughs> the one that the one that Richard Gasquet ought to have watched, and maybe she watched a clip of Richard Gasquet beating Andy Roddick at Wimbledon in 2007. <laughs> Who knows? But she went out there and she threw everything at Iga Swiatek. Absolutely everything. She hit the ball harder than I've ever seen before. She was trying to give a bit of variety. She just, I mean. She couldn't have played better, really. Took her to a tie-break, which is... I mean, she deserves a mini-trophy for that, I think. Matt is going to give us a stat, I think, in a minute that will emphasise exactly how big a deal that is. But Sviontek just turned it on and showed why she's a champion and showed all of her gears and her levels and her cool, calm head. And... She's I maintain she's unflappable. Until I've seen her flap I will <laughs> consider her unflappable. She's just she's an assassin. She's terrifying. She's like she's 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 a bit Chris Evert like in that way. You know, Chris Evert was you know girl next door but also dead eyed assassin a coldness to her and I I feel that in Iga Svantec as well a a girl next door dead-eyed assassin
2: (laughs) I hadn't realized what a potential banana skin Contevate was for Svantec other than that she's a good player obviously but she had a two love head-to-head going into this match against Svantec and as Catherine's described, you saw exactly why in that first set. I mean, she couldn't have played a better set, Contivate The way she was taking on Svantec's serve and hitting backhand winners off it and just just taking the match to Svantec was not something I'd seen anyone be able to do. Um, but as Catherine said, the way Svantec stayed so calm and didn't panic and, you know, she was behind most of that first set. Eventually, she got the break back. And then once she won that first set tie break, she was sublime in that second set and just raced away. Six love, which means that in her last 10 Roland Garros matches, in nine of them, she's won either a 6-1 or a 6-love set. The dominance is unbelievable. You know, I, do, I really don't want to compare her to Nadal because Nadal's achievements at Roland Garros stand alone and will always stand alone. But there is a similar feeling now, I think, when opponents step on the court against Fiontech, that you kind of know that some sort of drubbing is going to happen. Uh, until someone doesn't get thrashed by her, that's what I expect to happen.
3: She's got so many ways to hurt you as, as an opponent. Um, it's it's really going to be interesting, isn't it? Because the strength in depth of this tournament is such, it'll be very interesting to see whether, who can push her. But actually, when I look at that section of the draw, I mean, I think Mark, Marta Kostyuk's obviously playing really well. I'd be surprised if she's able to hurt her, really. And then Kennan or Sakari. I mean, Sakari, I think, particularly is looking potent. And, I, and here I am again, I'm talking about the opponent of Kennan rather than Kennan herself. This is what happens all the time, it seems to me. I don't think I've ever called Kennan a, a WTA Avenger. Why not? She she absolutely deserves to be in that group, given her record over the last couple of years. Um, but still, I can't really imagine Svantec not coming through and ending up playing either probably Goth or Stevens is is my my expectation. God, that would do, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, um that would right. do. Right. Okay. Well, let's have a look at um the the rest of the men's draw and what we've had today. Um because Novak Djokovic, I mean, there's not really much to say other than he was sublime against Ricardus Brankis. No surprise. It was it was pretty easy. Brankis is a certain level of player. He's a good player. He's He's got himself into the third round, but this was never competitive, 6-1, 6-4, 6-1. And Djokovic just looks exactly where he needs to be. It will, though, Matt, be interesting to watch him against Lorenzo Mazzetti in the next round because Mazzetti today has won in five sets over Marco and, uh And he hit all sorts of shots that we don't see every day. Would you care to describe one or two of them? Yes, yeah, so you I see
4: every year, <laughs>
3: every lifetime.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching Stevens Mukova mainly this morning and I had Mozetti Chekanato on my other screen with the volume on just a little bit just so I could be alert if anything happened. And well, things happened. Suddenly there was this huge ovation coming from that court. And what had happened is in the same point, Cecconato had, had hit an underarm serve and Mosetti had hit a behind-the-back volley winner to break serve. And the crowd went nuts. And Rossetti stood in the middle of the court with his arms aloft. And it, I don't know, to me, it felt like a check-me-out moment from him. I...
4: If I had been in the crowd watching that, I, I don't think I could be responsible for my actions mm-hmm. in, in the immediate aftermath. I think I could have removed clothing or just <laughs> soiled myself. I don't know. I'd have had some sort of out-of-body experience, well, experience <laughs> about, uh, about, about for which I, I don't think it would be just to hold me responsible. Well, I've that- watched it on a loop for most of the
2: afternoon. And that was only the first one, because then about twenty minutes later, he did another behind-the-back winner. This time, chasing a lob that he then hit behind his back for a lob himself. I mean, that that guy is magnetic.
4: And then there was a third one that had it not been for the two previous ones, it was a it was a forehand. I mean, it was, it was a forehand down-the-line winner, but it was it was about his position on the court and pulled way out of position it looked, it looked completely impossible and had it not been for the other two that would have been a moment that we'd be talking about but it was completely obscured by by the other two but after that one Cecchinato did a sort of head between the legs what is happening this is surreal uh, reaction and Musetti did a so so cool shrug sort of wry smile like yeah, I'm better than even I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was just brilliant. And and it was because of those incredible trick shots, which weren't style over substance. He won all three points. But even so, it felt really important that he went on to win the match It because we can properly celebrate those shots now. If they go on to lose the match, it feels a bit... I don't know. It taints them, doesn't it? It makes them feel more frivolous. Who somehow. are you
2: thinking of, Catherine? I feel no like one. no one. Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> I mean, it could could be so many
3: people. Yes, okay. Yeah, there's a few, uh, but you know, Mazzetti. No matter what happens now, he's already underlined how good he is by getting through to round four. I think, and and it will be. It's a it's a bit of a free roll of the dice at uh, Djokovic, isn't it? You can have a real go at that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how close he is.
4: Don't put it on the night session, FFT.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Please. No, they, have have a crowd. It, mm. it kind of deserves one. Uh, the Italians have had a heck of a day today because uh, Yannick Sinner, also a winner against uh, Mikhail Immer. And Ooh. he now. F- yeah. <laughs> Triple rhyme, David. Was that
4: on purpose? Well.
3: No. <laughs> and uh, Sin in Our Faces, I wish I'd have thought of it, Sin in Our Faces, Rafael Nadal. Um, and they've had a bit of a rivalry, haven't they, uh, in the last uh, few months. They played at the French Open in October, and although it was straight sets, it had a, a feeling of being quite close, quite competitive at the very least, uh, as, as I recall it. Um, and Nadal, straight sets winner over Cameron Norrie, who, from everything that I heard, handled himself very well, but he lost 6-3, 6-3, 6-3. Nadal on Susan Longland court doing doing the business. Um, so that'll be interesting to see whether Sinner's got himself any closer um, when they face each other. And Matteo Berrettini... Also a winner today in straight sets. So three Italian successes.
2: It's the it's the first time three Italian men have reached round 16 of a slam ever. And mm. Berrettini, I think, is the first Italian man to reach the round 16 of all the slams. That's something Fanini has not yet managed. I don't think he's ever ever, ever reached the last 16 at Wimbledon. So, yeah, I mean, those three... Are really establishing themselves. I think Mm. you know, and obviously, Mosetti. This is his first slam, but there's there's so much excitement about him and Ciner and Berrettini. We've known about for a bit longer.
3: A lot of excitement as well about Carlos Alcaraz, of course, that we've talked about a lot over the last few months. And I watched some of his match against Jan Leonard Struff, and he really did push Struff. But it was proper boy meets man Mm. tennis out there. And and I actually came away from it thinking, well, I'm, I'm sure Alcaraz isn't happy about it, but both players have got reason to be satisfied with the way that ended up because Alcaraz was competitive. He definitely looks that in two years he'll be he'll be drubbing Struff probably. But Struff, he's having a good good run here, isn't he? Yes,
2: yeah, very impressive. I think the way he's backed up. And backed up again and again the win over Rublev. You know, we see it so many mm. times. Someone will beat a top seed and then bomb out. But he you know, he's he's proper struff. He's as you said, he's a he's a real sort of machine of a tennis player and very strong, very powerful, very physical. And yeah, he had he had too much game for Alcaraz today. And yeah, I'm impressed with him.
4: He's he's beaten Two members of the movement, neither of whom are Denis Shapovalov. <laughs> <laughs> Who's his patsy, isn't he, Shapovalov? Or was certainly for a while.
2: Yes. Then he beat him three yes. times in a month or something.
3: Yeah. But then Shapovalov got him, uh, I think, in Dubai or somewhere like that earlier this year. Mm. Um, but yes, I remember that record. And how happy Shapovalov was to finally get a win. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so. Also in that section of the draw, Diego Schwartzmann, a winner today. Absolutely thrilled not to face and Karatsev, I think. Um, and uh, instead he beat Karatsev's conqueror, Philip Kohlschreiber, in straight sets. So it'll be Schwartzmann against Struff, which will be a comical uh, before-match photograph. Uh, now, in the wheelchair event, which is taking place over the middle section of the French Open because of the change in dates to Roland Garros this year. There's been a heck of a, a, a result for Britain's Alfie Hewitt. He's into the men's wheelchair final, came back from a set down and won five down in the final set to win it eight, six in the tie break against Gustavo Fernandez. Um, I was reading some of the tweets of Gemma Stevenson who does such a, an excellent job reporting on the wheelchair event and, uh, She quoted Hewitt as saying, I think this is the match of my life so far. And if you consider just how long Hewitt's been playing, it's quite a while. uh, And that's quite a statement. He'll now face uh, the top seed Shingo Kaneda, who beat uh, Stefan Uday. Um, And Hewitt and Gordon Reid then got into the doubles wheelchair final, having beaten uh, Fernandez and Kaneda 10-8 in the the deciding set tiebreak as well. Uh, They'll now meet uh, Uday and Nicolas or Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, sorry, in the final. Would would you
4: like my Stefan Uday fact that I trot out every time we talk about Stefan Uday? Yes, please. He's got two sets of twins, same as Roger Federer. And they've they've bonded over it. They've become (laughs) friends.
3: That's so cool. Mm. I, I kind of... Now you've said it, I remember you saying it, but I'd completely forgotten. <laughs> so that's great. Oh, fantastic stuff. Right then. So, what we got on Sunday? Uh, play starts at uh, 12 o'clock local time uh, with Victoria Azarenka on caught Philippe Chatrier up against Anastasia Pavlochenkova. Then it's Stefano Sitsipas against Pablo Corina Buster. Serena Williams against Elena Rybakina, who is talking about how she just wants to feel the power of Serena Williams for the first time. She's really fascinated to see what it'll be like. Well, that novelty will wear off quickly. Well, <laughs> well,
2: she's going to. We'll check so, back uh, in with her after the match.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, how was it in the 6-1, 6 <laughs> love No, uh, maybe she'll do... She's a big hitter herself, so maybe this is a moment for her. We'll see. Alexander Zverev against Kane Ishikuri is the night match tomorrow night, so Flash see you at about. Morning match. Yep, yep see you at 2 a.m. tomorrow, uh, the day after tomorrow. Uh, an hour earlier, things start on the other courts. We'd caught Suzanne Longland beginning with. Uh, Tamer Zidansek against Saronica Kasteya, Then Marketa Vondrusheva against Paula Bedosa. That could be a really good match. Looking forward to that one. Christian Christine Garin against Daniel Medvedev. Also an, a really intriguing one because Garin is so comfortable on the clay and Medvedev purportedly hates it, but suddenly looks like he grew up on it. Um, but anyway, we'll see. And then it's uh, Matt's favourite Alejandro Davidovich for Kina against Federico del Bonis as the final match on court Susan Longland. Loads and loads of doubles matches as well tomorrow. We'll bring you the very best of it all, of course, here on the Tennis Podcast in tomorrow night's show. Uh, but for now, we have our mascot, and it's Phoebe, lovely Phoebe, which uh, which we've all been uh, enjoying looking at pictures of. Uh, we all have our own Personal mascots. Mine's Rogue, and we got a win today, Rogue, with uh, Barbara Krichikova. Not as good a win as Catherine and Zeus, though. Catherine riding high at the top of the newsletter standings at the moment, thanks to who is your victory?
4: Sloane Stevens. She's come through for me twice now.
3: Wow. Well, Well, for for Zeus,
4: really. It's all for Zeus.
3: Catherine's loads of points ahead. So sign up to the newsletter to find out who she goes for tomorrow. Uh, In the show notes, you'll find the link to sign up to our newsletter and you can find out who's going to end up being the champion of Roland Garros 2021.
4: I might have to to check the newsletter to remind myself who I've gone for tomorrow.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, Matt is sponsored by Scouser Mousel and Billie Jean, who's been as quiet as a mouse Mm. because she's flat out tonight. Mm. It's sponsored by the great Billie Jean King. Uh, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer and top bloke. And Matt, we have shout outs.
2: Bradley Harrocks. Oh, right, Brad.
4: Hello, Bradley. Uh like Bradley Cooper, big tennis fan, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Mm. Big
4: tennis
3: fan.
1: Yeah, of uh,
4: coming to Wimbledon with um
3: Gerard, Gerard Butler. Butler.
4: Gerard Butler fame. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and then both wearing the same clothes. Yes. And they got there.
4: Yeah, Gerard Butler's advertising, like, rent a car now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. I, I saw. Uh, I was on a train that stopped at Kettering, and, <laughs> and I saw Gerard Butler's face on a. I think it was a Europe car advert, and I thought, oh. <laughs> Compared to Bradley Cooper, your your careers have gone in different
2: directions. So, anyway. Bradley, thank you so much for your support. <laughs> Matt, who else we got? We have Michael Simlinger. Oh, oh. hello, Michael. Hello. Splendid name.
3: That could could be a film star with a name like that. Who's yeah, that?
4: or a musician. I think a yeah, musician.
3: Definitely. Mm. I wonder whether I wonder whether that's a real name or whether it's a made up name in order to be you know on the telly or something. I'd, I'd bake up my name like that. Who else we got, Matt? Thanks ever so much for your
2: support, Michael. <laughs> Last one is Monica Warline. Right, Monica.
4: Hello, Monica. Thanks a lot. Like Monica Lewinsky
3: and Selesh. And Let's Selesh. go with Selesh. 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 Let's go with the great I'm I'm eight time Grand Slam tennis champion I'm rather than. I'm a big fan of
4: Monica Lewinsky before you you? besmirch her yes
3: i haven't said a word
4: she's very cool and (laughs) history and in particular feminist history uh, treated her badly
3: yeah but this is the tennis podcast (laughs) so let's go with (laughs) (laughs) anyway monica (laughs) Thank you so much for your support. And on that note, uh, it's been lovely and it's late. And we've we've very much enjoyed talking about tennis tonight, as always. And we'll be back with another show tomorrow. Do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find an opportunity to tell everybody how great we are. Or just tell random people you know, like friends, and then we'll get them listening. And, yeah, go and have a look in our shop. We've got T-shirts, and we'll be back tomorrow. See you.